The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. Throwing a thermal detonator down the shaft isn't a big enough climax for you? Oh. <laughs> I, I did not intentionally choose that wording, but I feel bad about it now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to give you the satisfaction. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. This is episode, I think, number 302. We're recording a little bit ahead of time, but you know, we'll, we'll see what number this actually ends up being. Anyway, uh, I am Craig, your ever-loving and uh, ever-attractive host. Uh, Ryan, shut up. Uh, <laughs> I raised an eyebrow. I said nothing, sir. <laughs> well, if he used to bullseye womp rats in his sad, lonely teenage dreams. It's Ryan Bruckman. Yes. Many, many times. Yeah, yeah. And if Shizor tried to film her in the bath, it would melt his hard drive into slag. It's Lauren McCaffrey. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you at to how to interpret that. You know, there's a few ways that could go. Uh, I'm all right with it. Okay. And he bites more than a Minoc, and I kind of like it. It's Drew McCaffrey. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I almost believed that. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you all may remember Drew and Lauren. They've been on before, but it's been, gosh, like a year. Uh, Drew is the host, one of the hosts of the Inking Out Loud podcast, and I definitely encourage you to go check that out. I know a lot of our listeners have heard of that already because I've uh, you know, mentioned my appearances on that show, uh, talking about especially Sanderson stuff, I think, is yeah. what I've done. Uh, but anyway, we are going to be doing a joint giveaway okay this is a split episode between the legendarium and inking out loud so here's what we're going to do i'm going to tell you more about this giveaway a little bit later in the episode but i want you to to hang out we, we do have some cool stuff to give away we do i i'm really excited about it so uh so hang on i'll tell you about it later in the episode but you are going to have to listen to us and the inking out loud partner episode because we're going to talk for a little while about shadows of the empire and some other Star Wars EU stuff. But, you know, most especially Shadows of the Empire. Okay, so hang on for that. But first, should we should we do a recap? Drew, yeah. do you feel prepared? Yeah, I, I guess I can do yeah. a recap. I asked Drew to do a recap three and a half <laughs> minutes ago. So, Drew, what do you got for us? Yeah, so Shadows of the Empire takes place between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And it is more or less the story... Uh, that bridges the two movies, follows Luke and Leia and Lando and Chewie and, you know, the usual crew as they are trying to chase down Boba Fett to recover Han Solo in his uh, current frozen state. And we also get a new character introduced, the Dark Prince Shizor, who is the underlord of the criminal organization Black Sun, who's uh, trying to do a little bit of a power play and supplant Vader for number two guy in the Empire. And uh, yeah, and, and we get a, get some hijinks after that. <laughs> yeah, and some pheromones. <laughs> well, oh, we'll get to the, the pheromones. <laughs> the pheromones is a whole thing. Yeah, that's that's okay. Anything anything else? Uh, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's it's a you know a fun little romp in the Star Wars universe. It so. is. Um, and we are going to spoil all of this. I honestly, this is not the kind of thing that I would worry about spoilers with. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you've never read it, you never played the game, 
you didn't exist in the 90s for some reason, you know, then hey, maybe you want to go read it first. But honestly, I wouldn't worry too much about it. It's not that kind of book. Play so. the game instead. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Okay, so yeah, you did mention, or you did leave out mentioning another new character that we get, um, other Han Solo. Yes. So tell me about other Han Solo. Well, other Han Solo is in the book a little bit. His name is Dash Randar. Uh, but as as I kind of alluded to, the game was his... Uh, his vehicle. Yeah, his his time to shine. But uh, yeah, he's, he very much is other Han Solo. He's just as cocky, just as, you know, smugglery, has another Corellian freighter, hotshot pilot, literal hot shooter. <laughs> if they took the stunt double from the films for Han for Harrison Ford, it was basically that guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's pretty accurate. Okay, so good. That's our story. Now <laughs> there and we're gonna be bouncing around topics and the way that we're gonna do this joint episode, we're we're gonna be talking about the story and the characters uh here on this episode. When we uh move over to the inking out loud side of things and that gets aired, we're gonna be talking there more about the writing style. Uh, and something else that the Star Wars EU canon generally and how this fits in there. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it, this full discussion is going to take us, uh, you know, I don't know, 90 minutes, maybe a little yeah. more. And so we're going to split it up over a couple of episodes. So if you want to hear the full thing, make sure you're subscribed to Inking Out Loud as well. Um, but uh, OK, so getting into the story. Drew, you, you did a fine job getting us through the first half, right up to the pheromones. <laughs> Let's talk about who these people are. Okay, so we know our rebel heroes, and we do get quite a bit of uh, a Vader point of view as well, so that's yeah. interesting. Uh, but Prince Shizor, as you uh, mentioned, he is, and I know you hate that uh, pronunciation, but that uh, is yeah. the pronunciation. It is. Um, he is the, the leader of this criminal organization, and he is... By his own reckoning, you know, if we want to trust it, he's the third most powerful person on Coruscant. Mm -hmm. um, and so he would argue the third most powerful person in the galaxy behind the Emperor and Darth Vader. And his goal is to try to supplant Darth Vader as the Emperor's number two guy. Yeah. And so he's kind of maneuvering and he figures out that, that uh, Vader has promised to bring Luke to the dark side. Uh, you know, he'll join us or die. We remember that from Empire Strikes Back. And so Prince Shizor's plan is to kill Luke so that Vader will fail in that plan. The Emperor will uh, no longer trust Vader to fulfill yeah. his promises and Shizor can then kind of take his place, right? Yeah, he, he wants it, to embarrass Vader, basically. But so badly that uh, yeah. he collapses. And this whole plan, everything he learns, he picks up in a short scene that we see in Empire Strikes Back that he's apparently just off to the side in. Right. Ryan, scoot a little closer to that mic and tell me how you feel about that. Like this idea that um, that he was just off camera the whole time. Oh, he was, oh, there was somebody else in the room. Does that like change the, the movie too much for you or are you okay with it? No, it doesn't change the movie too much. I am uncomfortable with it. I didn't really like it, but I'm not, it's not a point that I'm going to be like, nope. Nope, you failed. Sorry, this isn't right. This uh, because I could see the emperor having someone else in the room when talking, but it just it felt like I need to figure out a way to leak this information to this character. So let's just put him in the room and let's make it in a place that everyone recognizes instead of having it like come through a spy network or something else. Yeah, like if I put him in the room, 
when Vader makes this comment, uh, but when he's talking to to the Emperor, then I can get him everything he needs and we can move on from here. And that also establishes just how important this character is and how sexy he is. (laughs) Oh, we're we're getting to the sexy sexy. stuff. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Lauren, what are your thoughts on that? Like, does it mess with the movies too much for you? Just having this book exist at all? Or are you okay with it? So I, I liked it in the fact that when you go into the third movie, sorry, number six, it's kind of clunky in that Luke has clearly done some stuff in the meantime, and you don't really know what that is. He's constructed a new lightsaber. He's done some development mentally. He's worked on his force powers. Right. And just going into that movie, it's kind of like, uh, when? What? Where has he been? What has he been doing? So it's nice in that, but I don't see the Shizor thing really fitting quite right. Yeah, I know what you mean. I Here's what I like about it. And I kind of talked to you guys about this yesterday when we were all finishing up the book, uh, or in Lauren's case, just starting. Um, <laughs> we, I was talking about how much I like... <laughs> I, I don't know how much to attribute to the author himself. Who was what was his name? Steve, Steve Perry. Perry. Thank you, Steve Perry, the uh, le- also the lead singer of Journey. Uh, by the Just way, reminds me of basketball. <laughs> Steve Perry. There you go. <laughs> so, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, I don't know how much of this to attribute to Steve Perry and how much of it was the committee that put the story together because I'm sure there was one, right? Very Over much so at Lucas Arts or Lucasfilm yeah. or whatever it was. Um, the, I, I do think it was really smart to put Prince Shizor in the story, even if it's a little bit clunky and you wonder, wait, wait a minute, if he's trusted enough to be in the Emperor's throne room during his discussions with Vader, shouldn't we have heard of him in the movies? Like, I get those complaints. But if we didn't have Prince Shizor, then we would have had rebels versus Imperials. And that, I think, would have been tougher to explain away in a novelization between the movies where it's like wait a minute shouldn't this thing have had ripple effects that we saw in return of the jedi or that wasn't set up at all in uh in empire strikes back but by giving us a third party basically what they did it was instead of pitting rebels against imperials it was rebels versus black sun and imperials versus black sun and the rebels and imperials don't really have to interact very much and so it doesn't mess with that dynamic in the movies i thought that was really smart yeah it it was a a good kind of strategic direction to take things you know obviously we do get a little bit of rebel versus imperial in the book but it's all out of the way stuff you know it's vader going into the outer rim and blowing up a secret rebel base you know it's it's nothing that has anything to do with luke and leia and lando it's those other rebels over there, you know? And so we get, um, we get a conflict with our main characters in this book that like Lauren said, directly feeds into and sets up the beginning of return of the Jedi without breaking the continuity. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I guess point being, I like, I like how it fits. It may not be perfect, but I like how it fits. Ryan, do you agree? Kind Kind of. I don't have a problem with the existence of that third party. I had a little bit of the execution of of Shizor specifically, <laughs> and I'm not just talking about sexing. It's because this was part of a larger scale multimedia thing that they were trying to make a big deal of, and it came out in '94, '96, '96. Um, we already had 
a super third villain in the EU, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. Go on. Here's the thing. We already had the existence of Thrawn. So she's or like if I'm Steve Perry sitting here trying to write this and I look, well, we've already got this guy and now I need someone who can be a big, huge baddie who is as, as dangerous or whatever. What can I do to write that without it being just a straight Thrawn copy? I feel like he came up short on that a little bit. The only thing is like, you feel like he was a Thrawn copy. Uh, he is if uh, if ways. Thrawn had a got a got a concussion and was a little bit dumber and thought he was super sexy. That's what Prince yeah. Shizor yeah. is. Yeah, Shizor's, Shizor is <laughs> knockoff Thrawn who Thrawn gets with a his blow uh, to the head. he gets his mojo from having sex with people instead of studying art. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. young Thrawn had been on Pornhub for a really long time, <laughs> you would have gotten Shizor. Okay. All oh, right. Boy. And I think that's that's my biggest problem with Shizor is, uh, and that comes from having other existing knowledge in the EU and realizing like what was already there. Uh, at the time, you know, when I'm, you know, when it first comes out or whatever, maybe someone who hadn't read the books, it's not a big deal. It's not a huge issue. Uh, there are elements of this story that have been repurposed and recycled now in the current uh, yeah. new canon. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously there's pieces of it that really work. This whole, you know, if you're going to have another bad guy, make it a criminal organization uh, versus, mm-hmm. you know, another imperial group or whatever. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, we have Red Sun and we have these other groups that are out there. I like that aspect. I just feel like their head was a little bit of a... Oh, a well, we're going to get to characters. I, I want to come back to him and and all that uh, character stuff. But I do want to stick with the story just a little bit because of a couple of things uh, that jump out to me in the story. Uh, First and foremost is the ending. Okay, now if you've played the game, maybe we'll talk about the game a little bit more, but if you played the game, the final level is this battle. You're flying Dash Rendar's ship around. It's at the skyhook, and it's like, okay, you got to take this out and the the other objectives, and then you just fly into the skyhook a la the Death Star, and you destroy it, fly out. It's great. in at the end of this book is a confrontation with Prince Shizor. Uh, the confrontation ends. They go into space. And then, oh, no, uh, Shizor wasn't dead. He's been waiting for us. And here are all of his starfighters. And they're closing in. And they're about to kill us. Uh, and then Vader shows up. And, of course, he wants Luke alive, right? And so he engages Shizor's uh, fleet and allows Luke and Leia and, and everybody else to escape. Basically, in a paragraph, you, the story just kind of evaporates with Prince Shizor and his skyhook, right? His his yeah. base. Uh, Vader just says, okay, kill it. And so his Super Star Destroyer kills it, and that's it. So the, it's it lacks any sort of uh, an action climax that... I, don't get me wrong, I don't feel like a book has to have an action climax. That's fine. But this book was building toward one, and then it just kind of like gasped and collapsed at the finish line and then <laughs> said the end, I'm out of here. Very much so. Right? Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it ended, and then we got one more scene where they're like, oh, let's cram in let's cram in another reference to the movies real quick right at the end here Which and one? have Luke record his message for Jabba. Oh, yeah. Yep. Did, and did anybody else notice that this book ends in almost the exact same way as Return? Or sorry, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Luke makes his escape and then goes uh, on whatever asteroid oh, they're sitting yes. on, and he yeah. stands in front of a window and gazes into the emptiness of space, and yeah. that's the end of the story. 
Uh, that that actually did strike me when I was reading it this time. <laughs> uh, okay, so I this is making me want to get to character stuff, and and I know I'm trying to hold off. So any other story notes, things that that either jumped out as really positive or negative to you guys? I I think this is interesting. Um, we haven't really talked a lot about Dash Rendar because immediate, uh, admittedly, and I don't we're not getting into the character, but his storyline in this, yeah, as. Uh, we joked about him being second Han or other Han or whatever it is. Discount Han. Yeah, yeah. He he was on the the red shelf. But the fact is, is uh, because they were building the the game and everything, and uh, allowing you to j- follow his journey more in the game and everything, it felt like his portion of this story was kind of, guys, you need to be aware of this so that you'll go play the game, and that was it. And mm-hmm. they did do a couple things that were slight variants on the smuggler thing, you know, uh, where he kind of actually gives up like leaves them and says, no, no, sorry guy. Like that. Yeah. I love that. That, that was different. Like a Han Solo, you expect to come back, but he didn't. And it was like, Oh, okay. So there's a variant between them. But other than that, like it was just, just generic existence there. And it, it just kept me like, okay, so I, if I want to care about this storyline and character, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the game, does it end the same way for him for dash? No, he gets a hero's uh, ending. It, it depends on what difficulty you play on. Oh, yeah, that's true. Really? Okay, I okay. forgot about that. Dang it. Yeah. Okay, so Drew, explain it. Yeah, in the uh, in the video game, as Craig said, the last mission is, you know, you're playing as Dash. It's the Death Star. Yeah, it, you're playing you, a Death Star mission. You, you have a couple of stages to it. The first one, you're, you're just the gunner on the Outrider blowing Star Vipers out of space. And then the final, uh, like, objective, you have to fly into Shizar Skyhook. I think two or three times you have to go down like different avenues into it and blow up aspects of the core of the station. And, uh, and, and the final one you blow up, the station blows up while dash is still inside. But if you do it on the hardest difficulty, there's like an extra, you know, credit scene that, you know, has like dash contacting Luke on Tatooine. I think, I think that's what it was. It's been a long time. Uh, since I since I played that game, but but yeah, it's like oh no, I dash survived. But and that's so in the book, he kind of it looks like he his ship exploded, but he clearly jumped to hyperspace, yeah. and they're setting it up so it's like oh please please people like this character so we can make more books and video games about him, right? Yeah, so, sell more toys. Exactly. Is there a toy? Oh yeah, there were there were at the time. What's, so does he look like Han? No, it, it's... His well, character design, everything except his face is Han Solo. Okay. From his outfit to his sidekick to his ship to... Everything is Han Solo. He's, if Han wore jackets with shoulder pads... Yeah. <laughs> so if Han were Meryl Streep in the 80s, uh, then... <laughs> and, yeah. and, a, and slightly more auburn hair. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Ginger uh, Han. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to order that on my next pizza. Uh, okay so let's talk then about the characters all right so we've got through the story that that is the story um obviously we glossed over a lot of things they 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 have to there's a lot of things that are associated that are supposed to be answering the in-between in the movies luke building a new lightsaber yep okay that's a really cool sequence like how did leia get her bounty hunter costume and her thermal detonator yeah that's true okay fine you guys win there's more story to talk about ryan go (laughs) 
Luke built his lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. That is honestly, um, that was one of the huge big questions after both movies came out and everything. We're like, okay, well, he obviously has a new one. He built it. In a, why didn't we get to see that? Why didn't we get to have, that seems like a big Jedi development moment. Um, and so I, there's a part of me that's like, this is uh, retconning things a little bit. Or, you know, or here's an opportunity. It's an easy grab. Let's showcase Luke building his lightsaber. Um, if I remember right, one of my favorite uh, things that stuck with me out of that was the fact that uh, Luke, they make, he makes the comment or something that he could have had R2 ignite it, but that wouldn't have been right because right. you know if it's going to blow up, it better be you know, <laughs> himself and it's not Jedi. And I was like, no, nah, legit, you've never done this before. You probably should have had the droid do it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Uh, but you know, I, I, it, was, it was a really cool sequence to, to watch him and to realize that it's not just like assembling parts, but there's some force elements to it and everything that. Mm-hmm. It w- now did that a, get? Did it get into that in this book? Yeah. That there were force elements a involved. Just a bit. Just yeah. a bit. Okay. All right. So like, it's not like anybody could build a lightsaber. Yeah, I mean, all, most of us at some point in time have had like a flashlight with batteries in it or whatever, and popped it open, like, yeah, I'm building a lightsaber, you know, or maybe that was just. <laughs> yeah, me. I'm gonna go with that. That was you, man. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Drew understands. Drew has. Drew has felt that, that well, same pain. He can co-host with you now. <laughs> <laughs> he really gets me. Um, okay, okay, all right. So, anything? Does anything else tie in with the movies uh, so much? The uh, it, it mostly as ties setup, in with as the, setup. There's nothing. That's the only really explanatory piece. I feel that's like set up to explain the uh, something that wasn't there. Everything else is set up for. We're going to go do this in a movie you've already seen. Right. Yeah. So, Which doesn't make for a terribly exciting book. Am right. I right? Yeah. Right. It does less Lauren mistakes. doesn't really. Well, we already know that Han is not getting rescued from the beginning of the book. And they set it up as, we're going to rescue Han. And it never, we, we just, nothing. Yeah. But what if they did, and then he like tripped again and just fell back <laughs> fell into in. it? <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, guys, sorry. Uh, I, I would have liked that. That would have been good. Um, okay, I want to talk about characters now. Can we talk about characters now? Yes. Fine. Okay, all right. thank you, Drew. <laughs> uh, because I want to talk about the portrayal of these characters versus their portrayal in the movies uh, versus maybe how we might expect our heroes to be portrayed in, you know, in a vacuum or in this, this kind of book. Okay, so this is, uh, this is a Star Wars book. Star Wars is not the black company it's not uh you know whatever uh, malazan yeah mm-hmm. uh, trope First law yeah, yeah it's not it's not a trope upending thing like this this star wars it's the tropiest of the tropey right there's a moment I, and there are a lot of moments for us to talk about yes we'll get to the pheromones but there's another moment and i, I want to throw this one out there is the most egregious thing that happens in the entire book mm-hmm. in a book full of egregious things okay we're in our what what passes for a climactic scene. Okay, Leia is prisoner in Shizor's tower, and uh, she, they're gonna come break her out. Luke, Lando, Dash, Chewie—they're gonna come break her out. And they're running through the building, uh, going up all these different levels, getting into firefights. You know, Luke's lightsabering people to death. It's great, it's fun, it's, it's exciting, all that stuff. Okay, so far very Star Wars. They come to meet. Prince Shizor and his bodyguard and a bunch of his soldiers. And they're in a hallway. They're shooting it out. And then um, Leia, is it Leia that walks out? Somebody, Luke, Luke walks out. Yeah. Luke walks out with a thermal detonator, holds it up, mm-hmm. and is like, 
back off, right? Every, uh, mm-hmm. Prince Shizor's like, everybody stop shooting. This is this is too much. Because apparently thermal detonators, we don't in the movie, it's just like, oh, it's a grenade. She's got a grenade. No, this is a thermonuclear, a miniature thermonuclear device. Yeah. And it will level, you know, the whole building. And so Prince Shizor says, everybody stop. It'll vaporize us. It'll vaporize them. It'll vaporize everybody, right? And so they stop, they have a little conversation and the good guys are like, all right, listen, you're going to let us out of here. They start backing away. Luke's got the thing. You know, you've seen it in the movies a thousand times. They're on their way out. They've won. And Lando takes a thermal detonator, activates a five minute timer on it and drops it down a garbage chute into the sub levels of the building. No, (laughs) no. So basically, and and this is just kind of a, it's a plot device. I understand we, you know, we need a timer. We got to, we need our heroes to have a reason to get moving. We got to have a clock on them so that it's dramatic when the Falcon shows up and rescues them and all this stuff. We need a reason for Shizor to be on a skyhook. Right. Find another reason. Okay. Because basically our heroes just murdered thousands of people thousands tens of thousands i don't know hundreds of thousands of people because basically what happens is he drops it down the garbage chute and it collapses this building that we know is 120 stories tall uh on above ground uh, above ground well ground right a coruscant we know from other eu stuff is uh is built partially above and partially below ground and you know it's, it's all very extensive anyway and and not to get too, you know, insensitive or whatever, but we know what happens now, 20 years later, when a building that size collapses. It's not nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I guess my point is, are, this is really, uh, this is a really strong argument in favor of that essay that Ryan loves so very, very much, uh, The Case for the Empire. It's like, no, the rebels are a bunch of freaking terrorists. They're callous. They have no regard for order or human life. And they will murder anybody to get what they want. Now, obviously, that's okay. That's not quite what we understand from the movies or whatever. But in this book, in that moment, they all and they all fly away and laugh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Anyway, so in my mind, that was the biggest misstep, character-wise, in the book. Ryan, you're a big "I love rebels" guy. Mm-hmm. What What are your thoughts? A uh, couple things. I I can see it as a misstep. I'm not against that actually, because when your good guys kill people, that's usually a. There's usually got to be a pretty good reason for it. There's right. a reason that bad guys usually fall off a tall building or something like that. Right. In, or yeah, uh, the bad guys are shooting at the good guys, so the good guys shoot back. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. That being said, I I am not going to try and create a whole bunch of reasons. Like, well, it's, it's this, it's this, but I can see a argument of trying to give some nuance but you haven't done it all the way up to this point with these characters so and and it doesn't it do it afterwards right but, oh yeah yeah i want to i want to read the the only it's like two lines this is all the shrift this book gives to the implications of it they have four whole minutes lando said his voice dry better hurry that's cold luke said They should have thought about that when they decided to go work for Black Sun, Lando said. It's a high-risk operation being a crook. That's all they ever talk about, the fact that Lando just dropped a nuke down the garbage chute to kill thousands of people. (laughs) We've spent this whole book establishing that Black Sun is not the only operation here. We've got Shizor transportation systems. 
This is 120 stories is not given over to an entire just criminal organization, right? right. There are people who just took a freaking job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> in the, it, like, I might be overthinking it. I'm willing to accept that. But uh, there's a reason Lando's the one who does it too. You can't have anybody else in the party do it. No, no yeah, way. Yeah. No, that's true. Lando's but, the only one who. But even Lando, like the the argument I would make for it, and uh, again, I feel really dirty making an argument for this because it's really <laughs> bad, uh, is that we've just come out of Empire Strikes Back where Lando has lost a lot. He's just lost Cloud City stuff. Like he's lost a bunch. One of his mm. major ventures, and. He wants to, he's still a businessman. He's still one of those guys who's trying to get ahead and taking out a competitor for him. Like he's dropping that down the garbage chute, not just as kill the bad guys or give us a chance to get out. He's also tossing that down there and going, that's one less person I have to fight against to try and get with there. So that's to me, that's why Lando can pull that off. It, it, with a very the, loose can yeah. pull I mean, that off. I mean, you just wrote that into the book, but that wasn't anywhere in the actual yeah. book. Yeah. You know, anyway, I, I see what you're saying. Character interpretations. Sure. So anyway, I don't know. Lauren, do you have any other thoughts on this? So, yeah, Lando would be the only one to do it. But also, he doesn't seem like he's in a dark place, this book. He seems pretty happy. He's yeah. a good guy. <laughs> hey. I'm your friend. I'm Lando. I'm yep. here to help. Yep, and even though Leia's pissed off at him for parts of it, like but he's yeah, still the, the good guy. The first five pages, and then she's over it. Yeah, and we're <laughs> off, we're off on our adventure. Yep, which, yep. which uh, again, it, that's fine. You want to set Lando up as a good guy because he does become a good guy. It, by the time we get to Return of the Jedi, he's not the the smug gambler who right. you know is amoral or whatever. He is a good guy, so. Sure, we spend this book setting him up as a changed man or whatever. You know, I'm, okay, I'm down with the cause. Let's go murder a million people. Yeah, and mm. and I think maybe my biggest character issue with this is that he does it with Luke standing right next to him. And this is Luke trying to become a Jedi Knight. And like three pages earlier, Luke is telling them, okay, with this plan, I'm going to go first because I can block their bolts and we we need to try to not kill these dudes. And Dash is like, well, I could just shoot them all right now, you know. And Luke's like, no, no, that's not the Jedi way. And then, and then he just all all he has to say about Lando tossing the the, the nuke down the chute is that's cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. I don't really know what else he would he does though. Once the choice is made, like put his hand out in the chute, like pull it back up, and be like, no, turn it off. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I yeah. I, yeah. Look, I'm just saying it was. Uh, it was a mistake in the story for for the characters, and well, it it's makes a good us... thing this has been jettisoned. Into space. <laughs> he says with a twinkle in his eye, looking at me. It's um, not very wizard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Other okay. other character stuff. So sorry, that was my Lando thing. Go last ahead, part. Lauren. Sorry, oh. last last thing with that. Another thing. Okay. During the battle, right after that, they are going out of their way. To not hit these ships going to and from Coruscant, they're trying their very, very best. <laughs> right. Well, there's and, a quota. And, You're only allowed to kill so many people a day, and Lando just blew through his <laughs> ten days supply. So, oh, oh, oh more than ten days. <laughs> that's that's a really good point. Yeah. Yep. I, the, the, okay. Sorry. Last last thing, because I just found the quote, the thing that finally sealed it for me. I was already complaining about this to Drew and Lauren, 
and then I got to this um, where they're they're flying away and they've just nuked a, a city. <laughs> yeah. And Luke shook his head, smiled, and started to chuckle. Luke starts to chuckle. It was an unstoppable release of nervous tension. In a few seconds, they were all laughing, except 3PO and R2. What is so funny, 3PO asked, indignant. That set them off again. They'd made it. They were safe. Well, <laughs> hey, as long as our heroes are safe. Anyway, I guess yeah. maybe I'm just spoiled by other types of stories. I was thinking about, you know, obviously we've been reading Sanderson lately with the re release of Rhythm of War. And uh, so I thought, you know, uh, WWBSD, right? What would Brandon Sanderson do? And there's no way that uh, that a modern author, you know, him, Rothfuss, Weeks, anybody, whatever, they, any other modern fantasy or science fiction author, there's no way that they wouldn't think that through. Or that they wouldn't then follow the implications later on. Right. Yes. Exactly. You can have a hero do something really bad like this or, or make a bad choice, but you have to address it later on as, as a part of their character flaw. A character flaw. Um, you know, no, no spoilers, but there's a plot line in the stormlight archive about a good guy who does a bad thing and then has to deal with it right you know yeah like, yeah okay you know that's 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 something that i think is more for the modern audience where we're sitting currently now you know 2020 the last five maybe 10 years in the 90s though we didn't care about the bad guys like we didn't care about them as much and or, or the so, reasoning yeah. it was you know our good guys just need to survive and and be good and and do that and so whatever it takes you do that uh, was that right for the time apparently yeah well yeah. maybe we weren't their target audience you know 12 year old boys were and the 12 year old and, boy is gonna go like ha yeah and that's uh that let's is see, a very was... hard thing to come to terms with not being the target audience for star wars <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i was 10 when this was released i want to say yeah so, i was six yeah yep anyway uh, all right, so that was my Lando thing. I'm sorry, I understand he's a gambler, but that didn't fit for me. What other character stuff do we want well, to talk so about? We've been we've been harping on the good guys. Let's harp on the bad guys a little bit. All here. right, let's talk about Darth Vader. Yes, mm. because in in some ways, this Darth Vader, uh, he has his moments where he feels like Darth Vader, but in a lot of other ways, he's he's not quite the same as what we see on the screen. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're going to get into this in the style discussion, but the, the dialogue, especially for Darth Vader, is rough. Yeah. Okay, so go on with your point. Well, it, just the way he... Um, uh, so use like, your words. I like that Steve Perry here <laughs> tried to build some sort of an internal, like, character arc yes. for Darth Vader yeah, which is which is great because he certainly didn't do that with any of the heroes uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit with Dash but uh, and you know and so that, that makes the story a little more compelling because we have the, the only real internal arcs are for the two villains of the piece Vader and Shizor right. um, but because of that he kind of has to rewind a bit with vader he has to he has to retread a lot of ground we already know and change the way vader acts in certain situations because he's like oh i need to make vader more vulnerable but vader in these movies is the indomitable terrifying villain right. you know and he's just not that in this book i think what he's doing with vader and what this whole story is doing with vader 
basically hinges on the final scene in Return of the Jedi when he comes back to the light side, right? He has yeah. This, this uh, come to come to Lucas moment. Um, <laughs> and he and, and so we know that he's going to come back to the light side. And so Steve Perry and whatever committee, you know, wrote this, they felt like, uh, you know, we've got to have we got to plant those seeds to make that scene make sense, right? Okay, so he's not in total lockstep with the Emperor. Mm -hmm. uh, he has some conflict within him or whatever. I don't know. Ryan, Darth Vader, how was he handled here for you? No, I I agree because I, I feel like he, he made a misstep here with... He needed a villain who could be at a level with Vader on Shizor. And so instead of creating a villain that is on par with Vader, he tried to make Vader less to make his villain more. Mm -hmm. uh, to try and compare right by showcasing like okay well i can justify him being more vulnerable because he's got this whole thing with his son now that we already know happens i've got all this i can do to bring him down a couple pegs so that i can make my other villain bigger and that is problematic to me because when you know when you have a villain who is at a certain tier and you know that they're at that tier you don't undercut that for another for any other purpose like you're I can understand trying to justify that last scene. You don't need to. It's already there in the movies. You don't need to plant the seeds beforehand. Uh, so I I think Vader in this, yeah, Vader, Vader in a lot of EU material uh, is not handled well, to be honest. It, he, let me give you my example, and I'm, I'm dipping a little bit into the style section, so forgive me for, uh, you know, for stealing from our next episode a little <laughs> bit, but... There's a scene, uh, I, I can't remember what chapter this is in. It's a, a good way through the book. But um, Vader is being dispatched by the Emperor to go destroy a rebel base. If, I, if I'm if i trying to remember if that's where we're at. But anyway, he, um, he says the following. And this is a quote. This is not internal monologue. This is uh, him speaking to one of his... Uh, or no, this is him speaking to the Emperor. Okay. And we've seen them talk to each other in the movies, right? He says, any of our admirals could go and wave the flag and fire the guns. I have many pressing matters here. V Vader is not going to say that. That's, no. That is bad Vader dialogue, right? Vader might say, any of our admirals could go. I have many pressing matters here. But the whole like that, that phrase, anybody could go and wave the flag and fire the guns. No, Vader is not going to say that. It's those little touches where it's like, do you not know who this char character is? Yeah. Did you not memorize the movies as well as I did when I was eight years old? <laughs> like, come on. He wouldn't say that. So it's those, it, it's for me, the little things, it's not necessarily the bigger picture of, um, of softening Vader. I, I totally get that. And I think I agree with you guys about that up to a certain point. Uh, but that doesn't bother me as much as those little touches of, of how you handle him scene by scene. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So, yeah, there you go. Lauren, Vader thoughts? So, we have been reading the novelization of book three, of movie three. Yeah, whatever it's called. What was it called? Revenge, Revenge of, of the, the Sith. Sith. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Episode three. But the development of Anakin is amazing. So, going from that to reading Vader here is just so ham-fisted. Right. 
and and I know he's so complex. Uh, for, the, for the listener, Lauren is currently holding up two fists and pretending they are hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, He's just not very dexterous, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, so Anakin in in that book is like bringing me to tears, like from scene one. And would you say that he's breaking your heart, Annie? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> right. I can't even. Okay, I got a little grin out of Ryan. I got something. All right, I'll take it. I was fighting the urge to finish the quote. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I see him as this complex guy, and he's so simple here. Yeah, and yeah. and I kind of was wondering as you guys were talking. You said he was retreading some of that development that has already been done with Vader. So did they already? I mean, what did it look like before this book with him? Well, I'm just talking about you know things that happened in the movies. You know, like. Like Ryan said, you know, we we already know that Vader has this spark of light in him that Luke will find a way to kindle and, and save him at the end of Return of the Jedi. And and so we don't really need to have Vader be, you know, struggling with that spark of light in this book because, yeah, basically what Ryan said, like it, it feels like we're trying to post hoc explain something that doesn't really need to be explained yeah, yeah, yeah. you have early um especially in empire strikes back the whole lightsaber battle with luke uh you can tell luke's out of his element he's doing you know he, he fights him fairly well it's a good sequence but vader isn't going to kill him he could kill him pretty quickly and you can tell he starts throwing stuff at him and everything and we're building up to the big reveal about being his father and everything and then he reveals and offers him a chance to rule the galaxy he's already told the emperor i'll bring him to the dark side or whatever and so as fans, you can look at it and go on a very simple level of, yeah, he's trying to, he's going to try and convert him to the bad side. But when you realize he's the father and all of a sudden that there's an emotional attachment there, oh no, no, this is, this means more. Um, and then to go in and be like, now it's even supposed to be a deeper thing in here. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I feel with the retread. Like, yeah, we, we've already seen this. We, we don't need this again. Um, but that being said, they have redone some wonderful stories since then about Vader and yeah. given him some depth. So this is, uh, and I feel like there are probably people shouting at their car stereos or whatever they're listening to during the pandemic, because um, nobody's in their cars anymore, right? But uh, but we might be asking too much of a 350 page uh, committee written novelization of a video game and you know all that stuff like. We might be, people might be saying you're asking too much uh, development and whatnot for something that's basically a, a glorified movie script. And I, I'm i just throwing that out there because I'm yeah. I'm guessing that's a critique of what we're saying. And, I, and it's an okay one as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It, maybe we're asking too much, but still. But, you know, if, if, if we're asking too much of it and that, and that this is just supposed to be, you know, a fun action story then you know let's rewind back to the beginning where we were talking in the story how there just really isn't a great action climax to this book right you know there, the, there aren't many good action scenes at all yeah throwing a thermal detonator down the shaft isn't a big enough climax for you oh <laughs> i i did not intentionally choose that wording but i feel bad about it now so. <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't going to give you the satisfaction Okay, moving on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Shizor. We got to talk about Shizor. Maybe we'll talk about some others as well, but we are running out of time. But we got to get through the Shizor discussion. Ryan, why don't you kick us off? Nope. Ryan, don't talk. Lauren, (laughs) how did you you feel reading (laughs) Shizor as a woman? Oh, well... It's I, pretty. I am curious about. I want to talk about the pheromone scene, but I, I, I remembered I wanted to kick it to you first. I've been thinking about that for like twenty four hours. I've got, I got to ask Lauren about this. How how was that? He is such a creep. <laughs> but I've met guys like him, who, for some reason, think they're God's gift to women. Mm. And when a robe like that. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter what they look like. They've got something. Yeah, that that every woman wants, sure. and she just needs to. She'll get what, there once she. Yeah, once she's confronted with. Uh, oh yeah, she'll my come majesty. over. I'll get that naked pic later. <laughs> Don't you worry. So did it? Um, does it bother you to read that stuff? Uh, like, was it uh, painful to read? He's too much of a caricature for me to feel can't even a take whole him lot. Seriously. No, I just don't even take him seriously. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, Ryan, I want now I want to hear what you have to say. How how is Shizor for you? Uh, well, I already hit on it a little bit. Like I said, he's a discount Thrawn to me. Uh, but I did appreciate, okay, the difference. Uh, how do you take this guy and make him still a threat and unique a little bit? Okay, let's go the sex route. That works. <laughs> that's um, that's uh, something we hadn't had in Star Wars up to this point, really. Yeah, uh, which really, honestly, it makes like his plan to capture Leia to try and lure luke over everything it's like now i'm uncomfortable with it because we all have known for quite a while about you know luke and leia oh, right, right, right. Like, all right you know things like that but uh giving him that much ego giving him that uh that as his wheelhouse it just you know when i'm first reading it as a kid i'm like i want to be that guy kind of <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and then okay then, then you realize no i don't want to be that guy no he's he's bad He's bad. My thing reading it this time was because um, I, I, I'm waiting for the pheromone scene, right? I'm I, That's one of the only things I remember about this stupid book from when I was, you know, <laughs> 10 years old and last time I read it. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I got to get there. But as I was going through the book this time, I realized kind of what I think, Ryan, maybe you mentioned something about it earlier. She's always really dumb. Yeah. He's not. He's. And. I don't feel like this is on purpose. He's trying, they're trying to write him as this mastermind, as a Thrawn, but he's not. He's really, really dumb. His droid is smarter than him by orders of magnitude, but, you know, his program not to be in charge. Were, were Guri, 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 Guri in charge? If she were in charge, oh man, we wouldn't have Return of the Jedi, right? I don't know. Oh yeah, they, the, all the heroes would have been dead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's that's what struck me on this read through is his master plan. There are so many holes in how he's going to track down Luke and kill Luke that it's it just doesn't doesn't strike me. He he doesn't. I don't buy him as a villain in this on this read through because of that. When it comes to the sex stuff and he's going to seduce Leia because um, you know at first he wants to get her as bait for Luke. And then once he has her, he's like, oh, you know what? I actually, you know, I kind of want to hit that. Um, <laughs> that stuff doesn't bother me as much. And and the pheromone scene itself didn't bother me as much as I kind of expected it to, where it was like, okay, we're setting him up as a creep. Yep. 
he's a creep. <laughs> and, and I thought it established that pretty effectively. Yeah, honestly, the, the pheromone scene and you know, some of his internal remarks about his love life, so to speak, uh, just came across as almost comical to yeah. me because it, it's just so outrageous. It's so ridiculous that you can't take it seriously as a um as any sort of commentary on actual, you know, issues of consent or anything like that. It's yeah. just so ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So do we want to talk about any of the good guys or anything else on Shizor at this point? I, I would jump just briefly to uh we mentioned that there is a mild arc, a mild explanation of Luke. Yeah. And his journey to becoming a Jedi right. in this novel. Yeah. And I think that is one of the few things that, a uh, few good things that came out of Shadows of the Empire here. Um, in the sense that we now get a chance to say, to know where Luke has been and what he's been doing to improve himself up to Return of the Jedi. And that it hasn't been, uh, it's, how do you train a Jedi when there's no Jedi to train you? Right. Like, and And I did appreciate that he, by the time we get to the return of the Jedi, he's pretty darn competent. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this book, he's not, he, he has a thumbless grasp of the force mm -hmm. and he barely got his lightsaber up and running. You know, he's, uh, he is not a Jedi, which actually kind of, it leaves room for, wait, how did he get from his skill level here to his skill level in return of the Jedi? But I, I did appreciate that. It wasn't like, uh, you know, Steve Perry flipped a switch and made Luke all powerful between right. five and Grandmaster six. Grandmaster Luke, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, anyway. we get to we get to go back in and look because he's he, uh, the begins he's studying and uh, going back to Ben Kenobi's house to to find right. information there and it's like okay so there's also a little bit of history with what Ben had been keeping and mm -hmm. that there's information there available for him um, again an element that they went in and said we're gonna take that and use that in the future. Uh, when you know Disney purchased, so I was like, okay, we're gonna grab that and run with that. Uh, but I, Luke's Luke's journey to being a Jedi um, and his his life as a Jedi after Return of the Jedi are very interesting arcs to me because he never had the formal uh, training, he never had the formal uh, group to go through, like the Jedi Academy or you know going through course on that. He never had that, so he got to define what it meant to be a Jedi a bit on his own, and it starts here right it starts in this book yeah okay i'll buy that yeah that, that's a fair point okay what i really like though sorry staying on the luke topic is the povs where he's really struggling with the thoughts of the dark side and how much mm -hmm. easier it was when he let anger take over i like that we get the internal struggle because i feel like we don't see it on screen ever like that yeah. Right, because we can't. And this is something that, I mean, you're talking about the development of Anakin and the novelization mm -hmm. of uh, episode three. Yeah. Uh, and it's something, it's a strength of novelizations over the movie stuff is we get those internal dialogues. I That Vader scene that I was referencing earlier where he wouldn't talk about waving the flag and shooting the guns. Never. He, he might say that in his head and I'd be fine with that. Yeah. You know, his internal monologue is, hey, I'm not going to go wave the flag and shoot the guns, but that's not what he says to the emperor. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I, I've always liked that about novelizations. It gives us that background for the character or a potential background. Oh, yeah. Um, you can adopt it as your canon if you want, you know, I guess, or leave it. But all right, cool. 
I have one last character point. Let's do it. I just want to say Geary is the best thing about this book. Okay, so how so? Because <laughs> she's like a hot blonde or? Because she's interesting. She's oh, a okay. human replica droid. And, <laughs> yeah, she's and cool. we see her like actually struggling, even though we don't get any points of view. The very few times Perry gives her like a chance to be on the screen and be an active character, she's way more interesting than everybody else in the book. <laughs> she is another brick in the wall of um, of just how problematic Star Wars is in one very key respect, and that's the treatment of droids. Yeah. Ooh. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so clearly, if, if it wasn't clear with R2-D2 and C-3PO, and it should have been, now we have a droid who is struggling with her internal emotions and her aspirations and, you know, what, what she wants out of life and how she's going to go about serving you know she's or and or, or not or whatever and and these are slaves they're slaves anyway i don't want to get too much into this yeah. but it is well, one of those things where like, when somebody pointed it out to me at one point that that how bad slavery is with the droids in star wars i'm like oh crap oh you're right that's they, awful they addressed it to many groans and eye rolls in <laughs> solo yeah they not well yeah uh, again Lauren's ham fists uh, <laughs> <They> come <laughs> into play. <laughs> but but no, just the the one scene where Luke, you know, faces down Geary at the end there and and he's like I'm going to spare you and she's like no, you need to kill me. Uh and he's like no, you you can just, you know, not not be an assassin droid and she's like no, like I'm programmed. I have to do this, you know, and and like in in those whatever three four lines of dialogue right there, you have like a more compelling character conflict than anything yeah. else in the rest of the book. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. Oh and man! On the droid point, right yeah. after that, Leia makes a comment. Is like you're having them <laughs> steer the ship. You let the droids fly the ship, and yep. she says it like four times. Yeah, she does. <laughs> and Luke is like, "What are you talking about? Of course, I'm having them steer the ship. You know, it's fine." Who else was going to rescue us? There are people too, Leia. And Leia's like, no, they're not. Yep. <laughs> R2 literally flies my X-Wing for the most part. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are running over time. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I am going to talk about the giveaway stuff. All right. Uh, but before I do, just a reminder, inking out loud. You need to go to inking out loud because we're going to talk about um, the real world context of Shadows of the Empire, where this fits in with the Star Wars EU, and the fascinating story. Honestly, it is a fascinating story about how this came to be, how it was constructed, why it was constructed, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the style that this book was written in. So, so far, when we've talked about story and character stuff, I, I, I don't know how much blame to lay at the feet of Steve Perry, like I've said before. When we get into the style stuff, I know exactly how much blame. <laughs> well, okay, pretty close anyway. Uh, so we're going to talk about the style, the way in which this was written, and we're going to compare it to some other EU novels, uh, kind of like we've been doing with the episode three one. And yeah, we'll, we'll get into a lot more stuff. So I hope you stick around for that because we're going to give away a couple of, um, of really cool Belgian tulip beer glasses. They're pint glasses. They're very cool, and they have etchings on two sides on one side it says the legendary podcast with our logo on the other side inking out loud with their logo so they are they are extremely attractive even if you're not a drinker you should want this glass uh, because it can also hold water and various and sundry liquids uh, but uh, but it, yes it is a tulip beer glass it's fantastic 
we've got a couple of them to give away. So if you want to enter to win that, here's what I want you to do. Go on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to say Twitter or Facebook. No, I'm going to say Twitter. It's got to be Twitter because that's the only way I can keep track. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, uh, but yeah, go go find us all on, on Facebook. That's fine. But on Twitter, you need to go on there and you need to tweet at us with the hashtag. I'm going to give you half the hashtag now and we'll give you the other hashtag or the other half in the Inking Out Loud episode. This half is literally just the hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag. Okay, tune in for more later. No. Uh, The first word is dash. The first word is dash. D-A-S-H. And we will give you the second word of that hashtag in that episode. So make sure you are subscribed to Inking Out Loud. And this uh, the the companion episode to this should come out within uh, a couple of days of ours. And so keep an eye out for that. Uh, join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. Find us everywhere. We've had a bunch of people join the Discord lately. It's been lovely to have more people join in um, and a bunch of new patrons as well, actually, after our 300th episode. Apparently, mm-hmm. uh, apparently people like that one, Ryan. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it there. <laughs> Whoa, jeez. Uh, I always appreciated. You're a great audience. We love you. Thank you for giving us money. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, hashtag dash something. Tune in to Inking Out Loud, and we'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs>